0: Chapter Six of Book Five of Les Miserables, Volume Five by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cindy Royce. Les Miserables, Volume Five by Victor Hugo. Translated by Isabel Florence Hapgood. BOOK Five: GRANDFATHER AND GRANDSON. CHAPTER Six: THE TWO OLD MEN DO EVERYTHING, EACH ONE AFTER HIS OWN FASHION, TO RENDER COSETTE HAPPY. Everything was made ready for the wedding. The doctor, on being consulted, declared that it might take place in February. It was then December. A few ravishing weeks of perfect happiness passed. The grandfather was not the least happy of them all. He remained for a quarter of an hour, at a time gazing at Cosette. "'The wonderful, beautiful girl!' he exclaimed. "'And she has so sweet and good an air. She is, without exception, the most charming girl that I have ever seen in my life. Later on she'll have virtues with an odour of violets. How graceful! One cannot live otherwise than nobly with such a creature. Marius, my boy, you are a baron, you are rich. Don't go to pettifogging, I beg of you. Cosette and Marius had passed abruptly from the sepulchre to paradise. The transition had not been softened, and they would have been stunned had they not been dazzled by it. Do you understand anything about it? said Marius to Cosette. No, replied Cosette, but it seems to me that the good God is caring for us. Jean Valjean did everything, smoothed away every difficulty, arranged everything made everything easy he hastened towards cosette's happiness with much adore and apparently with as much joy as cosette herself as he had been a mayor he understood how to solve that delicate problem with the secret of which he alone acquainted cosette's civil status if he were to announce her origin bluntly it might prevent the marriage who knows he extricated Cosette from all difficulties HE CONCOCTED FOR HER A FAMILY OF DEAD PEOPLE, A SURE MEANS OF NOT ENCOUNTERING ANY OBJECTIONS. COSETTE WAS THE ONLY ZION OF AN EXTINCT FAMILY. COSETTE WAS NOT HIS OWN DAUGHTER, BUT THE DAUGHTER OF THE OTHER FAUSULANS. TWO BROTHER FAUSULANS HAD BEEN GARDENERS TO THE COVENANT OF PETIT PICPUS. INQUIRY WAS MADE AT THE COVENANT. THE VERY BEST INFORMATION, AND THE MOST RESPECTABLE REFERENCES ABOUNDED the good nuns not very apt and but little inclined to fathom questions of paternity and not attaching any importance to the matter never understood exactly of which of the two falchelants cosette was the daughter they said what was wanted and they said it with zeal an act de notoriette was drawn up cosette became in the eyes of the law mademoiselle euphrasie she was declared an orphan both father and mother being dead jean valjean so arranged it that he was appointed under the name of Fauchelevent, as cosette's guardian with Gillenormand as supervising guardian over him as for the five hundred and eighty thousand francs they constituted a legacy bequeathed to cosette by a dead person who desired to remain unknown the original legacy had consisted of five hundred and ninety four thousand francs but ten thousand francs had been expended on the education of mademoiselle euphrasie five thousand francs of that amount having been paid to the covenant this legacy deposited in the hands of a third party was to be turned over to cosette at her majority or at the date of her marriage this taken as a whole was very acceptable and as the reader will perceive especially when the sum due was half a million there was some peculiarities here and there it is true but they were not noticed one of the interested parties had his eyes blindfolded by love the other by the six hundred thousand francs cosette learned that she was not the daughter of that old man whom she had so long called father he was merely a kinsman another postulant was her real father at any other time this would have broken her heart but at the ineffable moment which she was then passing through it cast but a slight shadow a faint cloud she was so full of joy that the cloud did not last long she had marius the young man arrived the old man was effaced such is life and then cosette had for long years been habituated to seeing enigmas around her Every one being who has had a mysterious childhood is always prepared for certain renunciations. Nevertheless, she continued to call Jean Valjean father. Cosette, happy as the angels, was enthusiastic over Father Gilimon. It is true that he overwhelmed her with gallant compliments and presents. While Jean Valjean was building up for Cosette a normal situation in society, and an unassailable status, Monsieur Jolimond was superintending the basket of wedding gifts. Nothing so amused him as being magnificent. He had given to Cosette a robe of Binshipour, which had been descended to him from his own grandmother. "'These fashions come up again,' he said. "'Ancient things are the rage, and the young women of my old age dress like the old women of my childhood.' he rifled his respectable chests of drawers in coromandel liqueur with swelling fronts which had not been opened for years let us hear the confession of these dowagers he said let us see what they have in their paunches he noisily violated the pot-bellied drawers of all of his wives of all of his mistresses and of all of his grandmothers peckins damasks lampas painted mures robes of shougru de tour india kerchiefs embroidered in gold that could be washed dauphines without a right or wrong side in the piece genoa and Alacon point lace parures in antique goldsmith's work ivory bonbon boxes ornamented with microscopic bottles gewgaws and ribbons he lavished everything on Cosette, amazed, desperately in love with Marius, and wild with gratitude towards Monsieur Gillenormand, dreamed of happiness without limit, clothed in satin and velvet. Her wedding-basket seemed to her to be upheld by seraphim. Her soul flew out into the azure depths, with wings of Mechlin lace. The intoxication of the lovers was only equaled, as we have already said, by the ecstasy of the grandfather. A short flourish of trumpets went in the Rue des Fules de Calvel. Every morning, a fresh offering of bric-a-brac from the grandfather to Cosette. All possible knick-knacks glittered around her. One day, Marius, who was fond of talking gravely in the midst of his bliss, said, A propus of I know not what incident, the men of the revolution are so great that they have the prestige of the ages like cato and like phocion and each one of them seems to me an antique memory more antique exclaimed the old gentleman thanks marius that is precisely the idea of which i was in search and on the following day a magnificent dress of tea-rose colored more antique was added to cosette's wedding presents From these fripperies the grandfather extracted a bit of wisdom. Love is all very well, but there must be something else to go with it. The useless must be mingled with happiness. Happiness is only the necessary. Season that enormously with the superfluous, for me. A place and her heart. Her heart and the Louvre. Her heart and the grand waterworks of Versailles give me my shepherdess and try to make her a duchess fetch me phyllis crowned with cornflowers and add a hundred thousand francs income open for me a bucolic perspective as far as you can see beneath a marble colonnade. i consent to the bucolic and also to the fairy spectacle of marble and gold dry happiness resembles dry bread one eats but one does not dine I want the superfluous, the useless, the extravagant, excess, that which serves no purpose. I remember to have seen, in the cathedral of Strasbourg, a clock, as tall as three-story house which marked the hours, which had the kindness to indicate the hour, but which had not the air of being made for that, and which, after struck midday or midnight, midday the hour of the sun or midnight the hour of love or any other hour which you like gave you the moon and the stars the earth and the sea birds and fishes phoebus and phoebe and a host of things which emerged from a niche and the twelve apostles and the emperor charles the fifth and the empanine and sabinus and a throng of the gilded goodmen who played on the trumpet to boot without reckoning delicious chimes which it sprinkled through the air on every occasion without any knowing why is a petty bald clock face which merely tells the hour equal to that for my part i am of the opinion of the big clock of strasburg and i prefer it to the cuckoo clock from the black forest Major Gilimond talked nonsense in connection with the wedding, and all the fripperies of the eighteenth century passed pell-mell through his dithyrambs. "'You are ignorant of the art of festivals. You do not know how to organize a day of enjoyment in this age,' he exclaimed. "'Your nineteenth century is weak. It lacks excess. It ignores the riches. It ignores the noble. In everything it is clean-shaven. Your third estate is insipid, colorless odorless and shapeless the dreams of your bourgeois who set up as they express it a pretty boudoir freshly decorated violet ebony and calico make way make way Monsieur is marrying mademoiselle clutchpenny sumptuous and splendour a louis d'or has been stuck to a candle there's the epic for you my demand is i may flee from it beyond the samaritans ah in seventeen eighty seven i predict that all was lost from the day i beheld the du de rohan prince de leon du de chabou du de mons marquis de sombis Vicomte de toas Peer of france go to longchamps in tapu that has borne its fruits in this century men attend to business they gamble on change they win money they are stingy people take care of their surfaces and varnish them everyone is dressed as though just out of a bandbox washed soaped scraped shaved combed waked smoothed rubbed brushed cleaned on the outside irreproachable polished as a pebble discreet neat and at the same time death of my life in the depths of their consciences they have dung heaps and cesspools that are enough to make a cowherd who blows his nose in his fingers recoil i grant to this age the device dirty cleanliness don't be vexed marius give me permission to speak i say no evil of the people as you see i am always harping on your people but do look favourably on my dealing a bit of slap to the bourgeois i belong to it he who loves well lashes well thereupon i say plainly that nowadays people marry but they no longer know how to marry ah it is true i regret the grace of the ancient manners i regret everything about them their elegance their chivalry their courteous and delicate ways that joyous luxury which every one possessed music forming part of the wedding a symphony above stairs a beating of drums below stairs the dances the joyous faces around the table the fine spun gallant compliments the songs the fireworks the frank laughter the devil's own row the huge knots of ribbon i regret the bride's garter the bride's garter is cousin to the girdle of venus on what does the war of troy turn on helen's garter parbleu why did they fight why did diomed the divine break over the head Meriones, the great brazen helmet of ten points why did achilles and hector hew each other up with vast blows of their lances because helen allowed Paris to take her garter with Cosette's garter homer would construct the iliad He would put in his poem a loquacious old fellow like me, and he would call him Nestor. My friends in bygone days, in those amiable days of yore, people married wisely. They had a good contract, and then they had a good carouse. As soon as Crujas takes his depart, Gamacho entered. But in sooth, the stomach is an agreeable beast which demands its due and which wants to have its wedding also people souped well and had a table a beautiful neighbour without a glimpse so that her throat was only moderately concealed oh the large laughing mouths and how gay we were in those days youth was a bouquet every man terminated in a branch of lilacs or a tuft of roses whether he was a shepherd or a warrior and if by chance one was a captain of dragoons one found means to call oneself florian people thought much of looking well they embroidered and tinted themselves a bourgeois had the air of a flower a marquis had the air of a precious stone people had no straps to their boots they had no boots they were spruce shining waved lustrous fluttering dainty coquettish which did not at all prevent their wearing swords by their sides the humming-bird has beak and claws that was the day of gallant indies one of the sides of that century was delicate the other was magnificent and by the green cabbages people amuse themselves to-day people are serious the bourgeois is avarice the bourgeois is a prude your century is unfortunate people would drive away the graces as being too low in the neck alas beauty is concealed as though it were ugliness since the revolution everything including the ballet-dancers has had its trousers a mountebank dancer must be grave your rigadoons are doctrine it is necessary to be majestic people would be greatly annoyed if they did not carry their chins in their cravats. the ideal of an urchin of twenty when he marries is to resemble major royal Coyote and do you know what one arrives at with that majesty at being petty learn this joy is not only joyous it is great but be in love gaily then what the deuce marry when you marry with fever and giddiness and tumult and the uproar of happiness be grave in church well and good but as soon as the mass is finished sarpejo you must make a dream whirl around the bride a marriage should be royal and chimerical it should promenade its ceremony from the cathedral of the rheims to the pagoda of Chanteloup. i have had a horror of a paltry wedding venturelle be it in olympias for that one day at least be one of the gods ah people might be sylphs game and laughter agerispides they are stupids my friends even recently married bridegrooms ought to be prince aldobrandini profit by that unique minute in life to soar away the emprium with the swans and the eagles even if you do have to fall back on the morrow into the bourgeoisie of the frogs don't economize on nuptials do not prune them of their splendors don't scrimp on the day when you beam the wedding is not the housekeeping oh if i were to carry out my fancy it would be gallant violins would be heard under the trees here is my programme sky-blue and silver i would mingle with the festival the rule of divinities I would convoke the dryads and the Nereids, the nuptials of Amphitrite, a rosy cloud, nymphs with well-dressed locks and entirely naked, an Acadian offering quatrains to the goddess, a chariot drawn by marine monsters, triton tote devant et tire du se con de son ravisson qui quiconque in English, this means triton trotted on before and drew from his conch-shell sounds so ravishing that he delighted every one there's a festive programme there's a good one or else i know nothing of such matters deuce take it while the grandfather in full lyrical effusion was listening to himself cosette and marius grew intoxicated as they gazed freely at each other aunt Julienne surveyed all this with her imperpetual placidity within the last five or six months she had experienced a certain amount of emotions marius returned marius brought back bleeding marius brought back from a barricade marius dead then living marius reconciled marius betrothed marius wedding a poor girl marius wedding a millionairess the six hundred francs had been her last surprise then her indifference of a girl taking her first communion returned to her she went regularly to service told her beads read her eucology mumbled aves in one corner of the house while i love you was whispered in another and she beheld marius and cosette in a vague way like two shadows the shadow was herself There is a certain state of inert asceticism, in which the soul, neutralized by Tupart, a stranger to which may be designed as the business of living, receives no impressions, either human or pleasant or painful, with the exception of earthquakes and catastrophes. This devotion, as Father Gillesmond said to his daughter, corresponds to a cold in the head. You smell nothing of life, neither any bad nor any good odor moreover the six hundred thousand francs had settled the elderly spinster's indecision her father had acquired the habit of taking her so little into account that he had not consulted her in the matter of consent to marius's marriage he had acted impetuously according to his wont having a despot turned slave at a single thought to satisfy marius As for the aunt, it had not even occurred to him that the aunt existed, and that she could have an opinion of her own. And sheep as she was, this had vexed her. Somewhat resentful in her inmost soul, but impassably, externally, she had said to herself, My father has settled the question of the marriage without reference to me. I shall settle the question of inheritance without consulting him. She was rich, in fact, and her father was not. She had reserved her decision on this point. Had the match been a poor one, she would have left him poor. So much the worse for my nephew. He is wedding a beggar. Let him be a beggar himself. But Cosette's half-million pleased the aunt, and altered her inward situation so far as this pair of lovers were concerned. One owes some consideration to six hundred thousand francs and it was evident that she could not do otherwise than leave her fortune to these young people since they did not need it it was arranged that the couple should live with the grandfather Monsieur gillemont insisted on resigning to them his chamber the finest in the house that will make me young again he said it's an old plan of mine i have always entertained the idea of having a wedding in my chamber he furnished this chamber with a multitude of elegant trifles. He had the ceiling and walls hung with an extraordinary stuff, which he had by him in the piece, and which he believed to have emanuated from Utrecht, with a buttercup-colored satin ground, covered with velvet aricu blossoms. It was with that stuff, said he, that the bed of the duchesse de Anville at La Rochelle was draped. On the chimney-piece he set a little figurine in Saxe porcelain, carrying a muff against her nude stomach. Monsieur Julien's library became the lawyer's study, which Marius needed. A study, it will be remembered, being required by the counsel of the order. End of Book 5, Chapter 6